There's an Instagrammer who takes a walk with his dog named Shalom every morning, and he posts pictures of these walks, and it's just hashtag morning walks with Shalom, his dog. And what I love about the pictures he's capturing is that often they're very simple. Every day, ordinary moments, and by simply seeing them, snapping a picture, posting it on Instagram, he's creating this loop of gratitude in his life. How often do we simply just not even see opportunities for gratitude and wonder all around us every day? We're in this series, Five Words to Change Your Life, and today we are going to talk about the word thanks. And we have said before in this series that our brains, your brain, has 50 to 60,000 thoughts in a day, and like 90 to 95% of those thoughts are repetitive. In other words, our brains are stuck in a rut. So the idea of looking at a different word each week is that with God's help, thanks can change our lives by getting us out of the rut that our brains are in, missing opportunities for gratitude all around us every day. So the word thanks can change our lives because it has the power to change you and then those around you. So today, looking at the word thanks. Uh, in a survey of 2,000 Americans on gratitude, some 80% agreed that receiving gratitude makes them work harder at the job that they're doing. But only 10% managed to actually express any gratitude. So 80% said gratitude makes them work harder, but only 10% actually expressed gratitude to their boss, to their employees, to their colleagues. Another study by the Wall Street Journal uh, reports that being appreciated is one of the greatest motivators in a job, even better than money. Researchers at the London School of Economics analyzed more than 50 studies uh, that looked at what gets people motivated at work, what gets people charged up, fired up at work, and they concluded this. We will give our best effort. We will be most engaged at work when three things are present. One, the work itself is interesting and exciting to us. Two, it provides some sense of meaning and purpose. And three, others appreciate it. A simple expression of gratitude is tremendous in our lives. And how often do we simply not see those opportunities for gratitude all around us? In the Gospel of John, we read a story from the life of Jesus when he is with a couple of friends. And I want to read this story to you and ask you to just notice as I read this the different responses of two of Jesus' friends. One, Philip. The other, Andrew. 
So notice the difference in response in this story of Philip and Andrew. John 6, 5 through 13, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. This is the word of the Lord. There seems to be a contrast going on in this passage between Andrew's response and Philip's response. Philip, did you notice? He reacts to Jesus' question with anxiety and resistance. Andrew, on the other hand, reacts with curiosity and possibility. So Philip reacts by saying, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. Anxiety, resistance. Andrew, on the other hand, reacts with this curiosity and this possibility. He says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Andrew opens up space for wonder, for curiosity. And when Andrew, once he opens up that space, Jesus' gratitude for these meager blessings brings about this miraculous provision for everyone. It's interesting how this works out practically in our lives. When we begin to see and open ourselves up to gratitude, opportunities for gratitude all around us. Uh, I was hiking with Tamara yesterday, and she reminded me of this book. And at the last minute, I decided to share this story with her. I haven't read this book in like 25 years. Read it like 25 years ago. She's reading it right now. Um, it is Corey Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place. Anybody read that? An, it's an old one. If you don't know, uh, Corey Tenboon um, tells a story of a time that she is really discovering God working in a horrific situation. Because, you know, it's one thing to be grateful when everything is going your way. That's kind of natural to be thankful. 
when you feel in control, when things are going your way. Completely different thing to be thankful in the midst of horrific circumstances. So Corey and her sister Betsy were imprisoned by the Nazis for hiding Jews behind the wall of their Holland home. And the conditions of these barracks, these camps, were horrific. And she speaks of this in her story. So Corey uh, Ten Boom is the only one from her family who survives to then write about what she experienced. So let me just share this story with you. Uh, this is what she writes in her book. Uh, Barracks 8 was in the quarantine compound. Next to us, perhaps as a deliberate warning to newcomers, was located the punishment barracks. And from there all day long and often into the night came the sounds of hell itself. It grew harder and harder. Even within these four walls, there was too much misery, too much seemingly pointless suffering. Every day, something else failed to make sense. Something else grew too heavy. Yet in the midst of the suffering, the women prisoners around Corey and her sister Betsy would have Bible studies. And she said this about those Bible studies. She said, they were like waifs clustered around a blazing fire. The blacker the night around us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the word of God. At one point in the story, they are moved to barracks 28. And at this part of the story, she just speaks of walking in and the filth and the stench and the fact that, like, it is built for 400 people and there are 1,400 people crammed in the space. And then she lays down in this hard straw hay and feels something biting her leg and realizes it is infested with fleas this point in the story, she just says, how can we live in such a place? And her sister Betsy responds like this. This is Corey's story about her sister. Her sister says, regarding the Barracks 28, Betsy discovered God's answer. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. She goes on to say, I stared at her, then around me at the dark, foul-aired room. She goes on to describe that she and Betsy thank God that they're together. They thank God that they have this Bible that wasn't confiscated by the guards when they came in. 
they thank God that because this barracks is so packed, more women will hear the light of the gospel through God's word, through these Bible studies that they're holding in these concentration camps. And then she says, and then Betsy thanked God for the fleas. And this is what she writes. The fleas? This was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time, I was sure Betsy was wrong. As the story unfolds in another section, they actually... um, they come to realize living in this spot that they were given great freedom that the guards and the supervisors were not coming in the barracks as they had in the past, that there was far less assault of women um, in this barracks. And Betsy comes back one time and she says, Corey, remember um, how we've been talking about why they're not coming in this space? I discovered why. I was standing with a supervisor, and this supervisor would not step foot in this space and said, there's too many fleas in there. And because of those fleas, they were given this freedom. There was far less assault. And they finally discovered that it was those fleas that kept those supervisors out. And the passage from 1 Thessalonians that stirred Betsy in her prayer to thank God for the fleas. I want us to say together now, out loud, would you join me? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every situation, because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Basically, this passage is laying out a simple call that God has for each one of our lives. What is the simple call? Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. Now, sometimes when we pray, those are prayers of lament. And that's what we're going to talk about next Sunday, lament. But this is like a simple roadmap for what God's call in our lives would look like, to rejoice, pray, and give thanks. And thanks can really change our lives because, number one, it changes us. And number two, it changes those around us. I heard this story this week about a couple sisters who went backpacking in the Olympic National uh, Rainforest in Washington, and it was to be a five-day backpacking trip into the rainforest. And so they set out, and they were about two hours into the hike, 
and it just started raining. So they're soaked to the bone. And they're kind of thinking, like, maybe we should go back and just get a warm hotel, skip this all together. And uh, one of the, they sit down, and one of the sisters pulls out her phone and just checks for what's the weather going to be like the next few days and sees it is going to keep raining for the next two days. So as they're sitting there deliberating what should they do, this guy comes off the trail. And he had just been on the trail they had been on. And so he kind of just offered his perspective. He said, this is a great trail. You have got to do this hike. And sort of in defense of what they were thinking about doing, they were like, well, check out this weather report. And the guy who just came off the trail was like, that's a fantastic weather report. Yeah, you know, I see that. But you can't turn around. This hike is fantastic. And he went on to explain, the waterfalls will be full. The valley will be green and lush when you reach the top. There is this tree canopy all along the way that will keep you dry. And then he said this, the rain is what brings this place to life. The rain is what brings this place to life. See, the invitation to give thanks in every situation, it is not as simple as just thanks. Thanks. Hopefully that will be part of the result. But God is inviting us into a completely different perspective in living a whole different paradigm. The rain is what brings this place to life. It's not a reason to turn around. So we talk about joy. We talk about sadness. We talk about thanksgiving. We talk about lament. And these are not either or. They are both and. They're like two sides of the same coin. Sir Oscar Romero one time said, there are things that can only be seen through eyes that have cried. The rain, that's what brings this place to life. There are things you will only see through eyes that have cried. So the word thanks, it's, it's not just a simplistic hallmark. Thanks, thanks, thanks. It's a whole new paradigm. It's a whole new way, it's a whole new perspective to live from. I give thanks in every situation that God is with me and that God is using your desires and your unmet desires in the formation of your soul. So I give thanks in everything that God is present and he is using these desires, these unmet desires, to form my soul. Meister Eckhart one time said, if the only prayer you said was thank you, that would be enough. In order to give thanks in all situations, 
we need to be tapped into a source outside ourselves and outside of the world. I mean, naturally, you give thanks when you're in control. Naturally, you give thanks when things are going your way, when you're getting the outcomes you want. Naturally, you give thanks there. What is supernatural is to give thanks when you are not in control, when things are not going your way. What is supernatural is to give thanks when the outcomes are not what you would have first picked. In closing, I just want to share, uh, I, I want you to hear from Tamara Seiler, who is both a dear friend uh, and who has experienced the power of the word thanks as a paradigm shifter in her own life. Um, she shared her story via video, and uh, I just want you to hear from her, so let's take a look. have everything and I feel like slowly but surely over the past couple of years he's been doing that he's been coming for everything and making everything known and bringing everything to light and I feel like I'm only in the middle of it or maybe in the beginning I don't know my name is Tamara Seiler and my husband is Max and we have two little kids Grace and Paul a couple days maybe a week after I was diagnosed with cancer, I felt like the Lord said, I'm coming for everything. And he said that in um, a loving, powerful way. And I took that as he'll shine his light into every crevice, every ounce, every cell and bone in my body until there is nothing left that is untouched by him. And that's what I desired when he said that. I kind of came along with him and said, yeah, I'm in. When I got cancer, um, it, it was like I saw myself dying. Um, and simultaneously, as my physical body started to die, something, something came alive inside of me. So it was this neat dynamic to watch myself die and watch something else come alive. I said, well, if I'm gonna die, I'd like to go out praising the Lord. Don't ask me where that came from or what that was about, but that is what I said, so I committed to that. And so I would find myself crawling to my prayer room with my chemo pump on and just banging the floor and and shouting and screaming and, um, just in agony, just take this away. And then all of a sudden, I would be overwhelmed with this sensation to praise my creator. I wanted every ounce, every cell, every bone, every organ, every piece of my mind, every piece of my heart to know where it stood in the Lord's eyes. So when I lifted my hands, I said, you are good, you are good. I would shout it at the top of my lungs and move my body so that every ounce of me could feel that. Every ounce of me could feel that vibration of who I serve, where I stand, 
what my identity is so that um, the light could just shine everywhere in my mind and my heart and my bones that the Lord said he was coming for everything and he wouldn't miss a spot. When I'm in worship, when I'm worshiping with the Lord, it's like a complete union where I, I know exactly who I am. I know exactly what I'm made to do. And there is no, there are no questions there. It's like everything just falls off and I just exist and I just am and I just am with the Lord and that is complete and that's everything. I mean, what exactly myself is made to do on this earth is worship the Lord and be in communion with him. That is what I'm talking about. That is what I'm made to do and that is what I feel when I do that. She said, if I'm going to die, I want to go out praising the Lord. You guys, can I just say, we're all in the process of dying. I know we focus a lot on living, and we are doing that too. But you and I are all in the process of dying. And there are some jobs to be done inside before you die. And if you wait till the end to do all those jobs, it makes it really hard. We are all in the process of dying. And what Tamara was talking about, you know, she said, when I am worshiping the Lord, she said, everything falls away, and I exist, and I exist in the Lord, and that is enough. That union, that communion, that is what I desire for you and for I, that we would live more and more of our moments in union with the God whose love for you knows no limit, who desires to speak with you moment by moment, day by day, reminding you of his presence in every situation with the dirty dishes, with the difficult situation at work, with the grief, with the loss in the barracks 28, that you and I would live more and more of our moments in union and in communion so that we might be able to say in every situation, God is here and I am here and I give thanks. That is the heart of how the word thanks can change our lives. Let's pray together as we close. God, would you please increase our desire to know you like this? Not just half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly. Not just in our heads in an abstract way, 
but in every fiber of our bodies and our bones and our minds and our hearts and our lives. Would you teach us, God, to give thanks in every situation, for this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and everybody who agreed said, Amen. Amen.